In this episode of Business Success with Graham and Leanne Carling, the couple are traveling to the Algarve, Portugal, to visit one of the most well-known businessmen and entrepreneurs in the UK. This man's business interests traverse hotels, health clubs, media, and property. The success of these various businesses culminated in earning him a chair on one of the most popular business shows on TV, Dragon's Den. This is, of course, Duncan Bannatyne. You are watching Business Success. Business Success is the program where Graham and Leanne Carling discuss business with other industry leaders from around the world. Graham and Leanne themselves building a group of companies through the strategy of company acquisition, which now has a multi-million pound group turnover and employs hundreds of people across the country. Today, they are meeting Duncan Bannatyne, who in regard to his business activities is likely to be best known for building and operating health clubs. Amongst other things, together they will be discussing the challenges faced by big businesses over the last three years and their approach to overcoming those challenges. Duncan, delighted to be here. Thank you very much for having us in your beautiful home here in, in, in Portugal. Um, Leanne and I are really looking forward to attending the, the Codwell Children uh, Gala Dinner uh, down here tomorrow night. And I'm sure uh, you and Nagor are looking forward to that uh, also. Absolutely, yeah. yes. We're what two and a half years in now, since almost since um, the first COVID lockdown. How's business for you now? Well, it's recovering, but it's recovering slowly. It's still not not the way it was in 2019. I'm just matching my revenue and profits to 2019, and we won't make make as much this year as we did in 2019. I don't think we will next year either. So it's a slow climb back up again. It's a lot more expenses now. It's an hour, a million and a half, and it costs of heating our swimming pools, for example, you know, and then uh, a million more in the new national insurance stamps and things like that, and interest in the money we borrowed <laughs> from the government. Mm -hmm. you know, so, <coughs> so it's tough, but we'll get there. Yeah. We go back to that March in 2020 when it was, that was it, everything was in, you know, the, the country, if you like, was in lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I remember how we felt when, you know, that was it, businesses stopped, right, nobody leave the house. How was that for you? I mean, how did that feel? What was the... Well, you know, it was like a slow burner, wasn't it? Because we thought it was going to be a month. Mm -hmm. And then it was more. It was two months and it was more. And then we opened again. And then we closed again. Mm -hmm. And it got worse because we had to close clubs in Scotland, but not in England. Yep. And close them in Wales, but, you know, not in Scotland. And, and then close them in Northern Ireland, you know. And it's like so complicated mm -hmm. and uh, difficult. Um, but like most... People in business, entrepreneurs, we just get our heads down, get through these things mm -hmm. the best way we can. Yeah. And uh, but it was not an easy time. But I say that, but there's a lot of people a lot less fortunate than us who are living in, in, in one bedroom and two bedroom apartments who didn't really have a garden. We were able to stay here, and they walk along this beautiful golf course because nobody was playing golf yeah. <laughs> and spent some time there. Mm -hmm. They were still cutting the grass, but nobody was playing golf. So. Right. I remember we were. 
uh, our businesses. We had some mature businesses, some that we'd actually only started uh, or had got started only a few months earlier where there was a mad panic. I mean, what was it, what was it like, you know, being in the, the, the leisure industry that you're in? Yeah, I mean, it, it slowly became apparent that we were, we were closing for longer than what we'd anticipated and, and that um, this is becoming very, very difficult. Uh, the government did come in and we borrowed, with, with the loans, we borrowed £24 million pounds from the government and they got some grants and things and eventually we had to do a deal with our landlords. Yeah. And so you have to give us a discount. Well, they all gave us the same discount, the same percentage of the rent. Right. And they agreed, six months of negotiation, but they, they agreed yeah. in the end. Uh, so we survived, but the motions were, you know, you, you start to think, okay, so if we can't pay our debts and the company is in liquidation, what do we do next? Mm -hmm. You know, and these sort of things, we're, we're, we're thinking about how you would live after that. Yeah. You know, it could well have happened. And I, I think of the 10 biggest um, health club operators in the UK, six went into some sort of receivership, right. some in and back out the next day mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, it wasn't easy. But in terms of, as you come out of this, I mean, what, what did you see in terms of your team of people, the, the people, the leadership team, and, and, and even the, 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 the colleagues that were operating in the gyms and positives and negatives, you know, going through that process during COVID? Well, the team were, 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 were all behind us. Yeah. I mean, and, and they were all, you know, they took pay cuts, yeah. uh, things like that, because, uh, you know, the people that are not on furlough or higher, higher level, level of pay yeah. had to take a voluntary pay cut. And uh, we worked to get, get the nose to the grindstone and worked hard. Mm -hmm. and got us through it. Mm -hmm. And as you've came through that and you come out the other side, what was the lessons from that period that you're now applying to the, the company now and going forward, do you see? Yeah, well, we, we realise we have to be uh, a lot tighter on expenditure uh, because we can't afford to spend what we were spending on, on wages and, and, and everything else and rents and things. We've actually got rid of four clubs who were making losses or not doing very well. So four are closed at 72, and uh, we've looked very, very closely at the wage bills and things like that. And uh, you know, the people on the higher levels have not had a pay rise for three years, right? Um, but they accept that, yeah. You know, unlike a lot of uh, people in the UK who, through the unions, are, are going on strike and things like that to get more, more wages. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the country would survive if everybody got a 10 or 15 percent pay rise to match inflation just now, because mm -hmm. that would get inflation going even faster. Yeah. And so it's very, very difficult for, for people like that. And I can understand them. Um, so you don't let you complain because, you know, people are so much worse off than us. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, but it's just a different attitude to how much we spend. In terms of the, the, the business now, Outlook, are you still looking to grow, grow your clubs or what, what's, the, what's the plans now? If we, if we were approached with uh, a small club that was for sale, we'd, we'd look at it. But generally, no. Uh, our, we're still in survival mode. We've still got to pay off. Yeah. Uh, we still owe almost twenty million pounds to the government for the money we borrowed during the, the pandemic. Yeah. We've got to pay that back. Um, so we're just surviving, getting through that. Paying extra interest, we're paying on a lot of money as well, mm -hmm. and extra national insurance stamps, um, which is all difficult for us. Mm -hmm. But we'll get through mm -hmm. and survive, and probably come out as a better company. But. In 2024, not 2022 or 2023. The, to get to the number of clubs that you got to, was that done organically or was it through acquisitions or what was it a mixture? Well, I built the first 30 or 32, I think it was, and we bought the land and actually built them. So I designed them. Uh, and then um, Livingwell Hotel Company put up their, they had a number of health clubs in the hotels and a number outside the hotels. They put their independent ones up for sale. Right. 
So I was bidding on that, I think it was 26 of them, and I bought them for 92 million. Right. 2006, I think it was. And I've bought, made a few acquisitions sin since then and built one or two more since then. Okay. We're going to 72. We're, we're operating 68 now. Right, yeah. Okay. So, and how did you finance that then at the time? I mean, that was a, was a, that seems that must have been a big deal at that time. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I, after I started building health clubs, I had the health club business and I was going into the children's nursery business and um, I'd bought a small hotel in Darlington. It was derelict. Um, but I still had my public company, which is called Care Homes. So we operated homes for the elderly. So I sold that in 1997, and then uh, they, I had the, the money then to start doing that. Right. And it was a few years later before I had to bring in the bank and get bank borrowing. Right. And then we, we, we financed the bank borrowing. Mm -hmm. Well, but I invested um, 20 odd million more money back into the businesses. Right. If we go back just during the COVID period, tell me what we found in, in, in our sector, which is you know the property and the building services sector, it was very difficult for certainly us, some of our companies, to borrow any money. Uh, even we have schemes, whether it's Siebel's loans and um, uh, various other sort of government initiatives and grant funding. Uh, our businesses are mainly in Scotland. There was a real mixed bag between which companies actually, you know, th they sounded great in principle, but in actual fact, trying to actually get, obtain the funding proved difficult. How was it in, in the leisure sector? You know, the leisure sector was very difficult because, you know, for, I'll give you an example. So we, we operate four hotels within this business. And the Chancellor reduced the VAT on them to about 5%. But the health clubs, they kept the VAT at 20%. Then they gave loans to the health clubs. I didn't understand why they didn't reduce the VAT in the health clubs and lend more, less money to the health clubs. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I don't know why they, they took the hotels and restaurants out separate from the health clubs because mm -hmm. it's the same type of operation right. with the same difficulties. Mm -hmm. But that's what they did. And, and one, one health club operator went, to the wall and never opened again. Right. That was um, DW Sports, I think it was. Okay. So they could have saved some jobs there, I think, to reduce the VAT. Right. Um, but it just wasn't easy. There was not an easy thing about it. You know, you're just going to other thing, no revenue. You're still paying rent to all your landlords. Yeah. Um, we're in some freeholds and, and, and some some rentals, and you're still paying the extra bit of wages for the people that earn more than the thirty thousand a year, mm -hmm. subscriptions and things. Yeah. And you just wake up every, every day and think, are we going to survive? What about survival but not survive? Yeah. You know, but eventually you get there because yeah. entrepreneurs do that, don't they? We, we go through and we, we try and make things work. Yeah. Well, I think when we, yeah, sorry. Sorry, we, I, we, we, we were the same. So, and I always said, like, the, the kind of furloughs, like life support, you know, so yeah. you're on life support at the moment. But when you remove that furlough and all these different loans, what effect? Yeah. Is it going to have in your business? Have you seen that? Because we certainly have. You know, we've took the government has gave you these schemes to help you, but now we are finding it difficult because we've maybe took these schemes to get different funding. Have you found? Something? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is with the furlough as well is, you know, people on furlough accrued the holidays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we open now and they're entitled to twenty days accrued holidays plus the 25 they will get this year anyway, so that's 45 days holidays this year. Yeah. So we've got to cover that, I mean, it's cost us more money and wages just to cover the holiday pay that they accrued during, during furlough. And then you opened and um, you were allowed to have a second job. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you'd get the staff back in beforehand and they'd say, well, a certain percentage, 15%, 20%, 
I'm not coming back. Well, I've got another job. I like the other job better. <laughs> Even if it's in Amazon, just in a warehouse. Yes, you know I mean? yes, you find that. And yeah, so you don't like you got to then try and recruit. You know, and my and my spa therapist is, is well done. Um, I, I I'm getting people wanting bookings. I don't have enough spa therapists yeah. to run the business, yeah. but we're paying more and putting prices up. And, and and but there's a lack of training as well because during the pandemic nobody was getting trained. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's, it's left a, a, a big hole in some quarters, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, yeah, you just plod through it every day, yeah. just try and get through it. Some of the things that the schemes that were incentives that Liam was saying here. So you had you were able to you know defer HMRC uh, payments. We were able to uh, Siebel's loans possibly. Then when you came through that, weathered that storm. You know, some of our businesses are saying, right, okay, we need to refinance it now. But actual fact, what the what the some of the lenders are doing, they're, they're kind of holding that against you. They're saying, ah, well, we don't really like it because you've got, you know, there's been, eight, you've got the time to pay orders with HMRC, or there's, uh, not so much the Siebel's loans, but certainly on time to pay orders that were taken advantage of, that were, you were kind of instructed to do as yeah. the first port of call. So we've seen, we've seen, uh, that's certainly affected some of our businesses that actually they don't like to look at that on the balance sheet or they're a bit some of the lenders are a bit nervous about that. Has that, has that been something you've seen? Yeah, I, I tell you what, we, we've got a, bit of a, a little bit of a crisis coming now because our, our loans have got to be paid off by the end of 2023. Right. So when we do our 22 accounts, you can't get your account signed off yeah. if you've got a loan that's got to be paid within a year yeah. and no facility to repay it. When yeah. we repay it from revenue coming in, we refinance it. Yeah. We know that's going to happen, but you can't send your, your accounts off like that. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah. I haven't worked out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking to the bank, and the bank will either have to extend the loan, yeah. or uh, I'll do something, I'll refinance before yeah. 2023. You can't wait till 2023. Can't wait, no. Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, you'll be back <laughs> in your brains to find the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, look, a good finance director, yeah. and, and yeah. she'll work very hard on it, and she'll, she'll make something work. Good. Mm -hmm. mm. So, and, and this is a question that, that I've got. I mean, you've obviously uh, live abroad or live overseas. The bulk of your businesses in the UK still, Duncan, yeah. are they? Yeah. So how does that work for you? I mean, Leanne and I, we live abroad now. We know the challenges uh, yeah. with that. How does that, I mean, how do you manage that? How does it work? I, well, I, I discovered Zoom in a big way during the pandemic, yeah. and many people did, and, yeah. and I do it all by Zoom. And we've got structured meetings and meeting dates. Yeah. You know, every week, yeah. uh, like Monday is the day I work. Right. You know, and I, I, I do my uh, meeting with my directors and then my regional managers, you know, every Monday. And in between, I've got other, other people I, I speak to and have an hour on the, f on, uh, on the Zoom call at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to work. It seems to run a little bit better when I'm not there, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about that? I've seen that about Graham. Yeah. better when you're not there. Yeah, Graham, stay away. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of the team of people, then you're bored of the structure, um, because that's, that's dead interesting for us. We rely heavily on our guys on the ground. Yeah. And um, we were hugely reliant on them. We've got a good team, we've, we've seen. Um, I think through COVID, yeah. uh, um, sorry to butt in. No, no, you're right. I think through COVID, um, certain members of, of our team really stepped up to the plate and they showed their, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean 90% of them did, you know, but um, there was certain ones that just really um, raised the bar and. Yeah. Performed really well, so we're thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think all my people performed really well, actually. They were really good. Um, yeah, but I think when you're doing these Zoom meetings, I think it, 
they've got to then structure a meeting. Because I have more meetings than what I did before. Yeah. More structured meetings and more diary meetings. So they know what we're talking about. I see the focus on getting that sorted. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I mean, well, every day I get the sales figures. So every day I talk to my, my sales, national sales manager, or every day is there to reply to if I want to. And so it gives him a focus every day that he's got to answer to me yeah. every day, whereas before he didn't. And all the rest of the things, uh, the legal problems, the uh, staff problems, they're all listed, so they've got to come through and see where we've got to with them. Right. You know what I mean? And where yeah. the progress is going. Whereas before, I would never see the progress. I would just find out what happens after. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I definitely agree with you with the Zoom meetings. Um, mm. One of my key roles within our company is acquisitions. And I feel, you know, pre-COVID, you couldn't nail anybody down for meetings. You know, it was so much easier to get a Zoom call. Mm, so I yeah. felt through COVID, I had seen, you know, eight or nine calls back to back daily um, with potential acquisitions. Mm. So I, I really enjoyed the time, you know, that you could nail mm, down yeah. these people and, and speak to them. Um, but I do like the, the Zoom meetings as well because you mm. can get, you know, people from all over on the one call and, and mm. get so much more done mm. than trying to arrange physical right. meetings. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we took over a, le- uh, a club in Leeds, which was a virgin club, okay. and um, they wanted to dispose of it. And so my team did a video inside it, and uh, I had the plans here. I was through it all and said, yeah, we'll, we'll do this with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was it, and it, and it worked very well. Yeah. yeah. And that's been a, one of the challenges for us over the, certainly since a lot for the, over the last 18 months. And, um, well, you know, you feel the need that you've physically got to be there and driving it forward. Yeah. But in actual fact, I think, you know, we, we, we've, we're certainly feeling a better structure now. We're bored in our team. Don't get me wrong. It, you know, it, you've got to keep the momentum going and keep the, keep the structure going. And, and keep, keep, you know, keep, keep the... Keep the, keep the vision. Yeah, keep the vision set and the vision and, yeah. and all that. That never stops. But certainly right through COVID, we've never worked harder. You know, we've never worked... I mean, we're workaholics anyway. It's 24-7 and we've managed to find a team of people that are like us. <laughs> Similar yeah. to us. Now, that's taken a while. But um, but it is you know what you, you know you said earlier on um, before we came on you know the, the gold nugget is you've got to just roll your sleeves up and work hard. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know I find I've got some great regional managers. I've got eight regional managers manage the clubs and manage the operations of the clubs, and they're doing fantastic jobs. Um, and they're doing jobs that I couldn't do. Mm. I couldn't keep all these they've got say ten clubs under them, and keep the information in all those clubs and what's happening in all those clubs and then focus on that every time they go and visit those clubs. But they, they, they seem to do it, and they seem to be good at it. Mm-hmm. You get the right people sl- got to be slotted yeah. in the right place. Yeah. 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 I think that, that's mm. something that we've found over the years, you know, not just through yeah. COVID, is having the right team around you. Oh, yeah. And advisors, you know, professionals, yeah. lawyers, mm-hmm. accountants, et cetera, just to, to help you on your, mm. your journey, because we've learned lessons the hard way, you know, mm. costly lessons mm. by having the wrong people. Yeah. Um, have you felt that, Duncan, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can I can <laughs> go back in, in, in history and, and talk about certain people who came. You know, there was a guy who, uh, one of the top jobs, and uh, we gave him a job, and, and, and he never seemed to do anything. And then one day I went to his office, and I had a spare key, and opened his drawer, of his desk, and the only thing that was in his drawer was a sheet of paper, meticulously listed his expenses. This was a top job, and, you know, yeah. six-figure salary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was very good at interviews, though, so you get another job somewhere else very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's what? What is it? Is there an end for you, Duncan? Is there an exit here planned, or what's the? What no, my exit is the day I die. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. all the business that I yep. die, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. Love that. And I totally understand that. People say to us, you know, when are you going to retire? I say, no chance. <laughs> no chance. No yep. chance of retiring. Why would you? Yeah, yeah why would yeah. you do that? Yeah. Um, so I think when, we, when, when we're looking at it, we're talking to the many people that we've spoken to on these uh, uh, shows has been, everybody's the same. I said, we're all the same. You know, everybody's yeah. the same. Well, you know, there's, and we just keep going at it. You know, we're, we're, we're if you like, in the trenches every day uh, and all that. We're in the sort of building services business. We own uh, our businesses, a residential property with some commercial student accommodation and building services. Um, but you seem to have been, I mean, you're in the leisure industry, but you've been very much involved in building developments and, and building buildings and yeah. design and all that stuff. Is that something that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're enjoy doing? Is that? Yeah, I mean, it started when I went into the, into the elderly and, and most people converted buildings and it was like three or four in a room. And I wanted all single bedrooms. Yeah. And I found the only way you could do that was to buy some land and build a place. And I found a plot of land actually. I was in my ice cream van in Stockton High Street. I packed my ice cream van, I was walking down the high street. I saw this plot of land for sale and I bought it. Took a bit of time. And then I built a home for the elderly for, for the elderly, all 30 single bedrooms. Yeah. And it was quite unusual and it, was, it filled the next day because people moved from the where, where there were six in a bedroom to get a single bedroom. The price was the same because it was paid for by the state, the government. Yeah, and so I then built another one, and I went kept building. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that company, I did the same with the health clubs. Right. And I, I sort of sat down and I said to the architect, I said, you know, there's too much corridor space. I want to reduce. And eventually, we came to a, a figure of 18% maximum corridor space. Right. And I designed it, and um, it worked. Yeah. You know, if you get big open corridor space, you're heating that corridor space. You know I mean, yeah. you, don't, you don't often need it. You know? Yeah. So in terms of actually doing the development, I mean, is it, do you manage, what was it, you were managing the contractor side of it or you, uh, or were you involved ever in that? No, it would be a fixed price contract with a contractor right, and that would yeah. be it. And, yeah. I, and, and I had a really good um, property director at the time right. who was very good. Some property people are very good at, at overseeing a new build and some managing how your air conditioning works in 70 clubs. It's yeah. a different skill I found. Yeah. So, so he was very good at, the, at that business at the time. Right. And he was good. He'd bring everything in inside the budget. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah, and uh, so we build one, then build another one. Yeah. Well, eight one year was the best year, I think. Well, eight. What was that? The, the Kerrums or no? Eight health clubs. Eight health clubs. Oh, yeah, okay. I think it was in two thousand one. We built eight. Right. Okay. So Duncan, obviously, a very successful businessman. Yeah. You know, what what is it? What would you say has been you know one of the main reasons for your success? I think I think the tips of it is is that don't think there's any shortcuts because there isn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, work very hard, mm -hmm. work long hours, mm. and be dedicated because, you know, anyone can do it. Mm. Um, and just really go for it. And uh, just as, as you build the company, you, you have to build up good people around you. And there's some great people who just want to be in, 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 in management and don't want to start their own business, mm. you know. And they understand that you've started the business, but they're, they're back in the business. Um, and, and, and that's it really, you can be a little bit arrogant by, by believing in yourself mm -hmm. very, very much. Mm -hmm. And uh, that helps. Yeah. I'm often accused of being arrogant, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that well. <laughs> and if, if there was a message to your younger self, what would it be? To your younger self, I would say, well, have the confidence in yourself much earlier because I was in my 30s when I started in business. Yeah. I was penniless at the age of 30. Uh, I didn't even have a bank account when I was 29. So I'd say, you know, be confident in yourself much more quicker in life, you know. Mm. And I'd have left school at 15 and started business if I, if I went back over it again. Yeah, yeah. be more mm. confident. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we say exactly the same. We tell our kids and our children as well, 
you know, what, what, what's, what we should have failed faster. You know, we should have got in the game earlier. We should have failed faster. Yeah. Get out of the road because there will be failings and um, uh, and all that stuff. But and our son, who's he's, he's, he'll be 15 this year. We can, that's what one of the things we say to him, encourage him, look, you know, because it took us, you know, it took me until I think I was, you know, 29, 30, or yeah, uh -huh. to really yeah. start, start to, uh, and, and I had a couple, you know, we, that's how you handle failures, failures. I mean, what have you? What failures have you? Is there anything there that have given you the biggest lessons in terms of failings? We opened one children's day nursery which failed miserably, uh, and uh, we couldn't fill it because we built up a children's day nursery business over five years and then sold it. Um, it was just in the wrong location. Right. So double check your location. I think that's part of the business. Um, but we made a mistake on one. And I also uh, tried to take over um, a small public company, which is called Lady and Leisure. And I started buying up the shares. And I spent a million pounds on the shares and they went bust. So I lost a million pounds overnight. Um, so that was a bit of a lesson. Yeah. You know, stay away from buying public company shares after that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, what we found is me, we get into businesses or, or even, you know, that if prob there's problems within the business, we tend to reflect and, you know, what went wrong there, what did we learn? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Um, mm. And we, we try to do that pretty quickly. And there's some businesses that we've got involved in that, you know, we look at and we think we've, <coughs> you know, put loads of money in and you know what was the lessons we should exit yeah. quicker you know so yeah. it's quite good to reflect on 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 the mistakes and the lessons i think for, uh, one of one of the things we've got is, is sometimes we got way too emotional with the business you know we've got too attached yeah. to it yeah. and it feels like you know we're saying and then you're you know you're, you're trying you're, to keep it going you're, you're, you're bet when you know yeah you know your mind's telling you one thing look it's clear but uh, you know you get too you you know you get too close to these you, the people that you're working with and yeah. have you I mean how, well, how well, have you dealt with that before? Well, obviously if we sold our businesses in 2019 before the pandemic, yep. you know, we'd have a lot of cash in the bank during the pandemic. We yes. were buying up all the struggling businesses now, yeah. but uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. No. So you got. But what I would say is this: is is that you know, I went into business because I wanted to have some money to buy a house and uh, put my children through school. And that was, I was never, never dreams of having a huge business. And I would say this, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And you should do what you love. Yeah. And if you don't love being in business, then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, I've got, uh, I travel with some great, great, great guys who are plastic surgeons. And every year I try to fund a mission and we, we repair clefts in children. So we do like 50, 250 clefts in, in a mission in, in Mexico or somewhere. And all these guys love what they do. And they love the plastic surgery. But they say they all say we can make so much money doing beautiful women and changing them, doing the breasts, doing the faces, doing like that. And the husbands will just pay whatever they have to pay. He says, but we'll come here, he says, we don't get paid for it. He says, We're in not very nice hotels, whatever and we we'll love every minute of it because we change the lives of two hundred and fifty yeah. children and the families. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? So if they could do that every day, they'd probably do it every day, but they can't do it every day. Yeah. They can't make a living. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, you've got to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. If you enjoy, if you enjoy your business, you enjoy life. Yeah. And in terms of, uh, uh, you touched on there, I mean, the, the, the what you do for ch charity and philanthropy, and that's something that you're, you're, you seem to be very big into, and uh, how important is that to you, Duncan? Well, I made a decision um, probably 20 years or more ago that I wasn't going to just give money to charity. 
if you didn't understand the charity. Mm -hmm. You didn't just salve your conscience by sending checks for yeah. tens of 50,000 at a time. I wanted to know that what the charity did. So I got very involved with UNICEF and worked with them for a while. And I got involved with um, great charity, Scottish International Relief, mm -hmm. who then started Mary's Meals. Uh -huh. yep. And uh, they're, they're feeding about 1.2 million people all around the world now, children in schools. And it's amazing that charity. And if you go meet the, I don't know if you met the owner of that charity, the guy started it. Uh, Agnes McFarlane Barrow. No, no. That's no. a great charity. You should go and see him one day and go and pay him a visit. Uh, and uh, see what he does. And so I knew that there was nothing coming out of that charity. There was nobody in flashcards, there was nobody in big salaries. Yeah. At the time, Agnes was paying himself like 20,000 a year, I think. Yeah. And he always travelled economy. And he's like six foot six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he'd go to Africa on economy to, to visit the, the, the schools that he was building at the time. Mm. And then the schools that he was feeding. Um, yeah, so every, every and, and Operation Smile, uh, they told me how much it would cost to, do, to fund the whole mission. And it, I, knew, I knew the value there was fantastic. Yeah. It cost less than a thousand pounds to change a whole family's life by doing the operation. Yeah. Because yeah. mm -hmm. what I pay for is, is the, the surgeons um, hotel accommodation and the food and things when they're there and right. their travelling expenses. Right, yeah. yeah. But nobody, get, nobody gets paid otherwise. No. Mm. no. No, and I think that's, uh, that's one of the things that, I mean, I, we like about the, the Codwell children one, you know, obviously. You yeah. can see exactly where you're getting uh, from John and Modesta. You could, when we, we, I mean, we, we lived and walked just outside Dundee. When we would go to Edinburgh Airport, they get a cheap flight. Now, we yeah. couldn't afford to fly from Dundee Airport. Yet we were supporting charities and here they were Flying up and down, you know, we could, we could, we could. <laughs> yeah. So that was always right off-putting for us, you know. Well, yeah. So where's all the money going? Well, as you know, we're going to John Cordwell's um, fundraising dinner here yep. uh, tomorrow, uh, and I've been going with John for a while now. Yeah. And, and John's amazing. He's a billionaire, but I've flown an easy jet with him. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. Back from from uh, Montenegro and things like that. Yeah. You know, and it just won't waste money. But yeah. he funds the whole cost of the the yeah. charity. Yeah. So any money the charity brings in, it's, it's, it's all going to the children yeah. that you're supporting. There's no money going into the expenses. Yeah. It covers the expenses all yeah. paid for. Yeah. In advance. And that's uh, that was I mean that was really important yeah, for us when when we were looking mm. at it. And uh, yeah, Duncan, listen, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Nice Be to you. Beautiful, beautiful home, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. We caught up with Graham and Leanne to find out what they thought of the conversation. What did you get? You know, I mean, I, I thought it was fantastic. What did, what did you get from it today? I, what I got from it was um, that, you know, a company as successful as his is still recovering from COVID. You know, it was, um, it was unexpected to hear, you know, you think people bounce back really quickly. So it just shows you that all sectors are still in recovery mode. And we've spoke about this a lot, you know. The sort of availability of some of the lending and the funds that were available i mean the hospitality sector clearly got decimated mm -hmm. at lockdown and what what i you know and this, the packages that were available that got them through that mm -hmm. ultimately they need to be repaid so yep. there's this sort of hangover yep you can get through mm -hmm. it got you through that sort of closure time but as you come back out of it and and there was a lot of a lot of speculation that that was going to always be the most difficult part was you know Post-COVID, mm -hmm. if you like uh, restrictions, then the you know the 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 funding uh, parameters that you know you need to pay this money back. back. It uh, needs to be not, paid it's not, back. It's not gifted. No, it's not mm -hmm. gifted. And uh, interesting that we're still finding 
still finding their still finding their feet or in terms of you know um, getting people back through the doors yeah. uh, you know obviously coupled with inflation energy price hikes all that going against you so you've got this sort of period that is you know really tight until you go back to full recovery mm -hmm. and it was interesting to hear him say that'll be 2024 five mm -hmm. onwards certainly not 22 mm -hmm. uh, 23 you know uh -huh. what what has been a common theme throughout it though has been that the focus on expenses you know yeah. duncan mentioned that you know what they've what it has done is focus the mind because everybody when you've got no income the only focus at that point has to yeah, be on expense. expenses mm -hmm. and trying to and trying to bring cash into the business. Yep. So the expenses are automatically the first focal point. So everybody we've spoken to have said the same, same. and we know ourselves from our business, you know, you've got to be looking at your your, your uh, expenses for, for running mm -hmm. constantly, not just when there's a, you know, a dramatic event such as a, you know, a pandemic, yes. really. Mm -hmm. So, no, I thought it was great. I thought, um, you know, he's never going to retire. Oh, no, that's like us. <laughs> you know, there is. Uh, why would you retire if you're doing something you love? I love, I love what you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, never. So again, still got that energy and passion and desire uh, for the business. Mm -hmm. You know, coming through the last couple of years mm -hmm. of COVID, and still back at it, hard at mm -hmm. it. And I think still very disciplined in what he does as well. You know, like yeah. he has you know certain calls, certain days with certain people, and yep. you know. Yep. And I think you know, given the fact that he's probably you know clearly has enough money to retire on and do what he wants, but loves it. It's his mm -hmm. passion and what's key, it's what drives him on in his life and always has done. I think the one thing really I took away today, which which resonates with us, or certainly, uh, you know, has, has been the, there is no magic formula no. to this. No, uh, there is not been. one thing. There is, it's hard Good work. And, and, it's, and I think a lot of people underestimate it's 24 seven. Hard work and commitment. Yeah, and desire mm -hmm. and just keeping at it. Mm -hmm. So when uh, when things get tough, when everything's going wrong, mm -hmm. that's the time when you double down on your efforts and get going. So like Duncan said, when they done the, when the COVID lockdown, there's nothing else for it other than, right, we need to roll our sleeves mm -hmm. up and deal with it mm -hmm. and just get cracked on. And uh, ultimately, I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons for me, not just for the, for the pandemic situation, but for every tough, challenging uh, situation. And we're dealt with different different issues or different scenarios every day, but as an entrepreneur, we love finding the solution and, yeah. and making it work. And, and that's all done through hard graft. Good, no, so I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully, well, we'll Looking see him again. We'll see, see him tomorrow him night. Tomorrow. <laughs> that's it for this episode. But tune in next time to Business Success with Graham and Leanne Carling.